On today's show, the Hawks collapse against the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first half on this Monday, maybe the worst half of the season for Atlanta. And from there, it got a little bit better, but not much. We'll talk about all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1430 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on today's podcast. And today's show is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back, 100 grocery items right now. Ibotta is also giving our listeners $5 just by trying Ibotta by using the promo code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store and download the free Ibotta app right now today. Also on the podcast, I want to encourage you to make us your first listen here at Locked on Hawks each and every day. Check us out across your podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also on YouTube, Google Play, etc. And I do really appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. Obviously, the vibes are not great on this particular evening as the Atlanta Hawks lose at home by a final score of 136 to 115 at the hands of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, not a great performance, to say the least, for Atlanta. It's the first time, first time they've actually seen Minnesota this year. And they actually entered this game with the same record and the same net rating as the Wolves. Um, obviously, that did not matter in this spot. With the loss, the Hawks have now lost two games in a row and also get below 500 again the first time in a few days. And they were down by as many as 23 in the first half, and it just spiraled out, out of control from there. And frankly, I have to start in one place, and that is that I would argue that the first half of this game on Monday, March 13th, was the worst half of the season for the Hawks. Now, I wouldn't disagree with a couple other nominees in this category, but I'll say this to set the stage a little bit here. This is a good spot for the Hawks on paper in a lot of ways. You know, I'm always, if you're a a recurring listener, you will probably know this, but I always want to give you a lot of context as to what is happening in Hawks land, rest, injuries, etc. The Hawks weren't home in this game. The Hawks were on normal rest in this game with a day in between games and no travel between games. The entire roster was available and healthy for this contest. They're also playing a team, again, that had the same record and same net, re- net rating than the Hawks did. So it wasn't like they were facing a team that is like a lot better than them by any means. And with all that kind of thrown into the mix, on top of the fact that Carlton Towns is out from Minnesota, etc., the Hawks were favored in this game by four and a half points at tip-off at FanDuel, our friends over there. And I say all that because the Hawks were down by 24 points at the half. And it was pretty embarrassing, honestly. I don't, I don't use that word lightly. I think it was actually embarrassing the way they played in the first half of this game. On offense, the Hawks had 11 turnovers in the first half. That's almost as many as they average for a full game. That's really bad. They were also one of 10 from three. Now that I would not call embarrassing. Like shoot, shooting variance happens. That's not something you could just like fix. But it didn't help things, obviously. And they ended up scoring well below a point per possession in that first half. Really the only positive on offense was Trey Young and maybe the rebounding, but that was kind of a a mixed bag for sure. Uh, Defensively, they were also awful. So a lot of that was because of the turnovers, which is certainly where offense leads into defense. And that directly led to 13 points for Minnesota. But it was still awful from the Hawks defensively in the first half. Minnesota wasn't like scalding hot. Sometimes like a team will just make every shot. They were shooting pretty well. 40% from three in the first half. That's totally normal. But Anthony Edwards their best player in a lot of ways, was 5-12 from the floor and 0-5 from three in the first half, and the Hawks were still getting blitzed this badly. The Wolves shot 73% inside the arc. They had 48 points in the paint in the first half. For comparison's sake, Minnesota is a good team in points in the paint, 
and they averaged 54 per game. 48 and a half is ludicrous. Minnesota had 24 assists in the first half. They only averaged 25 and a half for the game. They actually missed six free throw attempts in the first half where it would have been even worse than the 135 defensive rating the Hawks had. So essentially, aside from Trey's offense and maybe some stuff from a Kongwu, it was truly a catastrophe in the first half. I don't want to overstate that. I think people listen to this podcast regularly will know that I am not someone who comes on here and rants and raves, loses my mind. But the Hawks were truly awful in the first half of this game. And it has to be said, like, this is, this is a pretty big game. This is one they, they probably needed to get. And to come out of the gate and play like that, you know, Quinn Snyder did say after the game that they were, it was pretty obvious, like, an understatement to say they were not good in the first half, and they, and they obviously weren't. But, uh, you know, just individually even, like, DeJounte Murray was brutal in the first half. Like, brutal. One of his worst halves of the season. DeAndre Hunter struggled. John Collins struggled. Sadiq Bey struggled. Bogey struggled. Jalen Johnson was brutal. Like, it was just bad across the board. Everyone was bad, aside from Trey and Collinwood, basically, maybe a little bit of Capella. But, yeah, it was it was really rough. And uh, we'll kind of zoom out again from here, but I just want to start there. Like, this first half was inexplicably bad. And, look, I am a big proponent of taking, you know, especially from the outside looking in, like, you don't want to panic every single night. I don't think that it's realistic or rational to be like so up and down versus wins and losses over the course of NBA season because one game is one game. But everything, as I said before, was kind of lined up for the Hawks to be pretty good in this spot and to come out and, and be blitzed like that. And, you know, not to be picky on Minnesota, they're, they're not great. It's not, a, it's not a great opponent you're losing to. Like, at least when it's Boston and it's back-to-back, it's a lot more explainable. This is one where it was inexplicably bad from the Hawks in the first half. So from there, we zoom out. And by the end of the game, Yes, it was better at the second half for sure, but it was not great um, overall, obviously, as the Hawks lose this game by 21 points. They, won, they quote unquote won the second half, and that was a small victory, but still, they ended up with a 108 offensive rating in this game. They took care of the ball better in the second half, but still ended up with 16 turnovers. That's more than they averaged for the season, obviously, and that led directly to 23 points. Um, this is a big one. They were four of 22 from three. That is not close to enough volume, and obviously, poor shooting on top of that. Quinn Snyder actually gave a good answer after the game about why maybe you know the shot selection was what it was what it was, and what Minnesota was defending, uh, kind of playing more two on two. But regardless, the Hawks have to generate more threes than that. And yes, Trey got to his floater whenever he wanted it. It was really good in this game and offensively. But everybody else just either didn't shoot well or didn't take enough shots or both. Um, they were league average or so on two. They actually had ten shots blocked in this game. That's a lot. They had 66 points in the paint. That's a good number. And they did rebound a lot on the offensive glass with a Capella and a Kongwu doing a good job there. Trey was fantastic. We'll come back to that later on in, in this podcast. But he didn't have much help on offense. It was a really, really bad performance, especially when you factor in that the turnovers really led to a lot of the defensive problems that the Hawks had. Defensively, it was almost – sorry, I would say it was also better in the second half than it was in the first. But still a 126 defensive rating against a pretty shaky offense. Minnesota is in the bottom 10 of the league – an offensive rating this year and personnel wise without talents, this is not a great offense by any means. And again, Anthony Edwards is a really good player. He was not like out of his mind in this game. He had 32 points. Yes, but it was on 30 possessions. So like he, he wasn't super efficient. It's just that the Hawks could not get stops really through any mechanism. Their best thing defensively in this game was, was there was the rebounding, but they were below average in turnover creation. And there were some crazy numbers here for Minnesota. So the Wolves shot 39% from the, from the field. That's obviously really good. And 12-29 from three, that's also pretty good as well. But here are the crazy numbers. Minnesota had 39 assists. That is a ludicrous off-the-charts number. 82, yes, 82 points in the paint for Minnesota, which I have to believe is a season high. I didn't check, I didn't check that, but it certainly has to be up there for them. 
and then 24 points in, on, on, fast, on, on fast break. So it was uh, across the board. Those, those three numbers are really, really, really bad. Snyder said after the game that he did not like the aggression that the Hawks played with in this game. He uses the he actually used the throwback quote that Lloyd Pierce used to say and even Nate McMillan used to say about having the other team feel you. That was not the case here. And it's a reminder that this seems still in transition. Um, I try to stress that Quinn Snyder was not going to be able to come in and just change everything overnight for this Hawks team. I will also say that it's also maybe a reminder that this Hawks team was not only about coaching issues previously in the season. So uh, I don't think that's anything to worry about with, with, with Quinn. But right now, there are all kinds of issues, and I think if you want to give – I've said this before on the podcast, I'll say it again now. If you want to say the Hawks have one uh, weakness or shortcoming that is their biggest roster problem and their biggest execution problem right now, it's probably – for the full season, I should say, it's probably been point of, attack, point of attack defense. And that was the case here again. The Hawks are really bad at containing ball handlers. And, yes, they have some guys who are reputationally pretty good defenders on the perimeter um, in DeJounte Murray and DeAndre Hunter – but they don't fix everything, number one. And number two, Murray is playing below that level, to be kind. Trey has been better recently, but he's still Trey Young. He's still not a great defender. Um, Bogey and Sadiq Bey are bad defenders. Um, they don't have personnel that's great, but they're also not playing well enough. Both can be true. And I think defensively in this game, it was pretty embarrassing in that first half. I think Snyder kind of, he didn't go that far, but he was certainly not thrilled with the defensive performance in the first half. And that kind of bled into the rest of the game overall. So it was offensive failure. Defensive failure and uh, a first half that, like, again, I'm not hyperbolic, but that's one that is certainly that you want to forget. And the Hawks now have to, like, regroup after this performance. But it's one that, like, in the middle of the standings, in the middle of the race, in the playoff race here, they only have 13 more games left. And to have a half like that in a game that they probably needed to win at home is disappointing for sure. So I'll leave it there for now. We'll come back to sort of how, the, how this game unfolded and how it sort of all broke down player-wise. But that's the top-line thought here is that the, the first half was just about as bad as it possibly could have been. And uh, that kind of put the Hawks in a situation where they had to be pretty much perfect after halftime to erase that. And they were not perfect. And uh, the end result was uh, what it was in a lopsided defeat at home. All right, we'll get into more of what transpired in this one, but first it were from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta, and we're always throwing money at something. School supplies for kids or a new house project, the list goes on. It's time to stop spending that hard-earned money that you have without getting anything in return, and the answer to all of that is Ibotta. With Ibotta, you can earn cash back on every shopping trip, and they give you cash back on hundreds of grocery items that from produce to personal care to pantry goods and more. You can even link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop to get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average user on Ibotta earns $120 a year in real cash back that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or maybe even buy a flight, even eyeing or going to the game that you're looking to go to, a face of dinner, etc. A typical basket of groceries has $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than they actually have at the beginning of the year due to the inflation that's just happening all around us. But with Ibotta, you can earn two and a half times that in cash back and even more depending on how you actually choose to use the Ibotta product. They give you real cash back, not points. Other ask you points, but they don't actually amount to much. With Ibotta, you get actual cash in your pocket and uh, PayPal, also an option there, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too. When you start with Ibotta, that includes Lowe's and Macy's and Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just by trying the app if you use the promo code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store now or Google Play Store as well. Download the free Ibotta app. Yes, it's free. And use the promo code LOCKED when you get there. That is I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. And use the promo code LOCKED. Check out Ibotta today. 
I am very excited about our new partner and sponsor on today's show, and that is the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you're a GM like, like I have, basically, of becoming an NBA GM, managing a basketball franchise, your dream can come true. This game is definitely for you. You can manage every single aspect of the team. You can play through the season and also lead your team to glory with Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You are responsible for hiring the right coaches and training players and making sure your players are trained, making draft picks, and generally navigating the franchise through stuff like free agency and all the fun challenges across a season. This all happens in a realistic game world, and Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline you can play on the go whenever you want to as much as you want to we're talking already having fun behind the scenes talking trash to each other in the lots on podcast network uh group chats etc it's been a lot of fun to kind of dive into the product and it's awesome way to connect with friends as well who are also diehard basketball fans and if you're a listener to the Locked On Boss Podcast, which you probably are listening to this podcast right now, you get a 100% free boost to the franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. Download the game right now and visit probasketballgm.com or scan the code to look up on the app store. That is probasketballgm.com. And when you get there, use the promo code Locked On. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, so out of the gate, it wasn't like a, a total calamity initially. There was a bad pick six by Trey in the first possession of the game, which he actually brought up. I asked kind of a general question to Trey post game about how um, the Hawks had these turnovers and ball turnovers, and he kind of went back and talked about that one, and he actually used an expletive or two in his response. But um, it wasn't like, you know, again, I, I don't want to – there was no blame on Trey. Trey was the only guy on offense that did anything in this game, but that was the first round of the gate. And it was a really scattered start overall. Offensively, they were fine early on, but Minnesota had 12 points in the paint, and it was also their first 12 points on the first nine possessions. Uh, the Hawks had Trey on Jaden McDaniels at the outset. That did not work at all. They were focusing on that, and it was pretty effective there. They had to take Trey off of him pretty quickly, put him on Mike Conley, who also had a good game in, his, in, this, spot, in this spot. I will say of, uh, of Trey, his defense regressed a little bit in the last couple of games after that hot stretch that he had defensively, but um, the Hawks had a couple more bad turnovers. Murray had one on a break that should have been an easy dunk for John Collins that he kind of botched and turned it over etc. Um, rotationally, no big surprises. It was the nine guys that you would expect. Edgy Griffin still out of the rotation after coming, having his brief return on Saturday, but Jalen Johnson was the ninth. It was Bogey, it was Bay, it was the Kongwu, etc. And the first big run, and really the, the big one that kind of put the Hawks down in a spot where they never really recovered, was a 16-2 push by Minnesota in the middle of the first quarter to go from basically tied to down by 14. And again, a lot of free runways to the rim on defense, and that was probably the single biggest problem there. Also, they had six consecutive empty trips on offense. DeJounte Murray was really bad in the first half. Like, I don't want to overemphasize it, but it was, it was stark. Um, he had three turnovers pretty much immediately. The Hawks had six of their own uh, on, their, on their own in nine minutes. The Wolves, by the way, had 11 assists in that same time, in that time, that, that same time period, so it was pretty much a mess. They did get into the uh, quarter breakdown, only 10 or 11, but – they gave up 40 points in the first quarter. It was really rough. The Hawks did a good job attacking the rim, I will say, on offense, but um, still turnover stuff that was kind of plaguing them throughout. Another big run early in the second quarter by Minnesota, an 11-2 push. Three more turnovers from the Hawks in the first three minutes of the second quarter. Jalen Johnson had a really, really rough stretch. He had three fouls in six minutes, plus a missed three that he seemed to not want to take. It was wide open. It was like I think he shot it because he kind of had to, but uh, that was not fantastic, and then he turned it over as well after that. The Wolves did start turning the ball over a little bit more, which was helpful, but the Hawks got it back to 15 or so. It's still very frantic in the second quarter, I thought, overall. There was a, some success, mildly, with the lineup that had um, Bay and Hunter on the wings, plus Collins and Capella. That was short-lived. The Hawks were not making threes. Uh, even Bay missed an open one. Trey missed an open one as well. And they get into the halftime break, you know, down in a lopsided fashion. 
again, I'll give you all the stats before, but the first half, it was, it was really, 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 really bad. Obviously, they had to be perfect after that. And Trey did come out of the gate flying in the third quarter. He had nine points in the first three minutes. Um, and that barely even cut in a deficit, though, because the Hawks just couldn't get any stops. Um, again, the offense was notably better. So was the defense. Um, they were down as many as 28 in the third quarter. It felt pretty dead at that point. Now, the Hawks weren't totally done. They were down 18 late in the third. They uh, actually had the one good stretch of the night from Jet- from Murray in the, in the fourth quarter. He made three st- three jumpers in a row. Um, and also the Wolves kind of inexplicably had back-to-back, yes, back-to-back shot clock violations on offense. Don't have to see that very, very much. But a 10-2 run by the Hawks, and they got down to 13 with about seven minutes to go. And the big thing there was that they finally grouped some stops together. They got five stops and six possessions. And I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure that was the only time that happened the entire game. But 13 was as close as they actually would get. They couldn't maintain that pace. And then there was a possession. Uh, I'm not trying to pick on Sadiq Bay too much, but there was one that kind of made the rounds about uh, Bay kind of going one-on-one in an ISO off the dribble against Kyle Anderson with Rudy Gobert also right there. That was never going to work. And uh, that was right after that little run. Minnesota finally started scoring again and it kind of ended any hope from the Hawks. Uh, by the way, Trey got a technical foul late in this game. That was his 13th of the season. Uh, he actually has 15, and two of them were rescinded. So if you are monitoring Trey's suspension watch, just as a reminder here, players get suspended automatically for a game if they get 16 technical fouls. So Trey could only get two more. His third one after this would be a, te- would be a suspension, which the Hawks obviously do not want to deal with at this point in the season. But other than that, it was garbage time for the last like two minutes or so. Um, they brought in uh, basically everyone except for Trent Forrest that was active down the stretch, and that included Griffin and Matthews and Aaron Holiday and Vic Krejci, as well as Bruno Fernando in the middle. But uh, no other fireworks, and it was really not ever to the point where it was really, really in play. The Hawks did a good job at least getting it to 13. As Snyder did say after the game, like, you know, they were better in the second half, and they started to play like, like the way they want to play, and that's 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 objectively true, but it was far too late and the damage was far too great at that point, and uh, that was kind of the way it all transpired. Okay, we'll get into the individual player breakdowns in a moment, and there's plenty to get to there from a bunch of guys who struggled and a couple of guys, only a, a very, very small number of guys who played pretty well in this game. Before we get to all that, though, it were from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and it's the best time of the year happening right now in college basketball. Stretch Run is also here in the NBA, of course, and it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, you get a no-sweat first bet to up to $1,000. That means bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet is not win with FanDuel. Download FanDuel Sportsbook app right now, anywhere you get your apps, and it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can anything you're looking for across the board. That includes point, to- point totals and point spreads and money lines player props, futures, etc. The Hawks are now off for a few days before they play on Friday, but there's still wall-to-wall college basketball stuff happening right now as well. And the rest of the NBA is still in action on a, day- on a daily basis. And with FanDuel, you have every line that you can possibly need. Plus, you get exclusive bets at FanDuel. You get single-game parlays at FanDuel. And uh, lots uh, lots of fun along the way. Don't miss the chance to get a no-sweat first bet to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. This is my partner of the NBA. Okay, and as you might expect, it was pretty rough from the Hawks individually in this game. We'll save Trey for the very end. I will start with the only positive other than Trey, I thought, at least the, the only standout positive, that was a, and that was a Kongwu. He had 16 points and 14 rebounds in this game, and only on seven shots, made 4-4 four four at the free throw line, had a steal and a block. Um, of his 14 rebounds, actually none of them were offensive. He was flying around in the offensive glass in this game. I don't think he was probably as good as these numbers indicate, but he did play well, and that was good to see from him. He has been playing well recently, and I think Okongwu showing his upside. This is a topic that we talked about a lot on the show and probably talk about, again, much more in the future. But it's a reminder that Okongwu is 
in my mind, a starting quality center. And the Hawks have two of those guys, and they're very different players. But um, eventually, they're going to choose between one of those one of those guys, I think. And Kongwu is making the case at this point in time to be the guy for the future. Obviously, he's much younger and much cheaper, etc., much more malleable. Capella still has value, but Kongwu is playing well. And that's a positive sign on a night with few positive signs. Um, elsewhere on the bench. Jalen Johnson, after a lot of positivity recently, was pretty bad in this game. He had one point on one or two at the free throw line and 0-2 from the floor. Did have a, a turnover and three fouls in 10 minutes. Just kind of you know disjointed and offensively kind of a mess in this one. Bogey really struggled on offense and defense. He had two points on eight shots. He was 0-4 from three, 1-4 from two. Did have two assists, but um, yeah, minus eight and just was kind of a mess on both ends of the floor. And defensively, I, I, will, I will say, when Bogey is good, when Bogey has it, he is very good. When Bogey is bad and when he doesn't have it, he is very bad at this point. And that's that's a little bit simplistic, obviously, but given his limitations defensively, it could be really standing out if he doesn't have it. And he was pretty bad in this one. And then Sadiq Bey also struggled, I thought. Um, six points on eight shots, did have five rebounds and a steal, but uh, four fouls in 25 minutes. Um, just defensively not great. Actually missed both of his two, uh, both of his threes in this game. I don't think he was like just terrible or anything like that, but defensively it was a mess for the entire bench and really the entire team for the most part. So uh, not a lot to write home about on the, uh, on the bench other than a Kongwu. Starters, not much better, obviously. Uh, we'll start with John Collins, who was struggling pretty badly in this game. Six points, five rebounds, two assists, um, two six from the floor, 0-2 from three. Very quiet and not good. I don't think anybody played well again, but Collins was bad, I thought. A um, couple of weird plays defensively from him. Offensively, you know, he took two, the two threes early and then didn't make him uh, and kind of got back into his shell a little bit. Had one nice pull up mid ranger, but that was kind of it for him. Uh, Hunter, I thought was pretty bad. 15 points on 17, sorry, 18 shooting possessions, two points, two assists. Defensively, getting cooked in a lot of ways. Like I thought Murray was worse, but Hunter had a bad defensive game and was not efficient in the slightest in this game. Um, Capella was okay when he was out there 10 points, 10 rebounds, and two blocks, 22 minutes. Um, Akonga was better, I thought. But Capella was like probably the number three on the list after Trey. Trey, giant gulf to Okongwu and then to and then to Capella as the third best player for the Hawks in this game, but still not great. And then Murray was just actively bad in this game. You know, it's actually kind of stark. Um, it wasn't all this, but if you look at the plus minuses, Trey in a game that lost the Hawks lost by 21 points was minus four in 34 minutes, which means the Hawks got trucked with Trey off the floor. And because that was uh those Murray only allowance were terrible in this game. Murray was minus 29 in 33 minutes, and he earned that. Uh, five turnovers. In the first half, he was just really, really, really actively hurting them on offense, and then uh, also 5.50 from the floor, and that included – he made three jumpers in a row in the fourth quarter. Otherwise, it would have been really even worse for him. Uh, missed both free throws that he took in this game. That's a weird one. Uh, only two assists, five turnovers. Defensively, he was terrible, I thought. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to pick on him too much because everybody was kind of rough in this game, but Murray was the one that stood out in the biggest way for me as being like way below where he needs to be. And by the way, in the last four games, he is now 23 of 65 from the floor. That's about 35% or so um, from the field, plus shaky defense, inefficiency, et cetera. So uh, he, had a, he obviously had that huge game uh, about a week, week and a half ago now where he had 41 points and just made every shot basically. But ever since then, I think, yeah, he's only had one good game since then. So the last six games, he has shot below 40% five times. And also, um, you know, is not generating the assist. He's turning the ball over more and more. He had nine in the last two games. Defensively, he's really slipped on the ball. So um, they're going to need him to be better. Um, I've said this before, but if you're a new listener, you might have, you might have missed it. Um, I think Murray is generously, I'll say this generously, 
miscast as a stopper on the ball. I think his all-ball defense has been like pretty bad this year on the whole and really bad tonight. He, he does make plays as a playmaker, two steals in this game sort of uh, reflects that. But the combination of Young and Murray on, on the perimeter is going to be a little bit shaky. And then you throw in the fact that I think, you know, their, their best shooters, Bogdanovich and Bay are both below average to be kind defenders. So you're in this situation where this has been a talking point a lot more early in the season than it has been recently, but it's we're kind of back here now where the Hawks are making some choices that they don't, that they don't want to make. So in order to play defense, the Hawks have to kind of go with these lineups that are not great offensive lineups. They don't have a lot of spacing in them. And if you try to go juice the offense with more shooting, i.e. throwing Bay and Bogey out there, that hurts their defense quite a bit. So they don't have a lot of two-way fantastic options right now. Collins' Collins's lack of shooting is hurting them on offense. He's uh, kind of in this tiny role that was more magnified by bringing in Murray and also just having no shooting around them and then his own shooting struggles for sure. And then you throw in the fact that Murray's defense has been struggling and they, you know, Jalen Johnson is still not a great shooter at this point in time. So they have these questions on both ends of the floor that they don't have a lot of two way players. And that really makes your life difficult. And that's part of the reason why the Hawks are struggling. It's not the only reason, but it's been a bit of a mismatch and uh, not going that super well at this point. So long story short, Trey was really good on offense in this game and the he'll be the guy that I end with 41 points on 25 shots from the floor and 10 of 10 at the free throw line. He was 14 of 21 on twos. That's excellent. Um, seven assists, four turnovers is fine. I know he was asked after the game by me about that, about turnovers and stuff like that. And he said he, he was kind of frustrated with himself, but he only had four. And honestly, you know, that's four more than you'd want. But I think realistically with Trey's usage, he's always going to have some turnovers. So he was not a problem at all. Offensively, he was in total command. And, you know, defensively, I will say he was, he was struggling. He's often struggling, but I think, you know, it's still fair to say he was better recently than he was tonight. But on a night with a lot of negatives, clearly the number one positive the Hawks had going for them was, was his offense. It just wasn't quite enough with a lack of support around him. And the Wolves, to their credit, defended him in a way to kind of not let him by any means, but certainly um, if Trey had it going, he was going to be able to score a lot of points because they didn't want to have everybody else beat them. A lot, a lot of two-on-two defense, a lot of like giving Trey a lot of floaters, and he made them in this game, but long, I guess the long-term within the game, it was beneficial for Minnesota to kind of do that. And everybody else was really struggling. And again, the Hawks only took 22 threes in this game. That's not going to be enough moving forward. Okay. So we'll sign off at this point, but uh, a reminder, the Hawks are now off for three days in a row. That can be good. I'm sure that could also be, you know, something to kind of wallow and how they've been playing recently. I don't know what to make of that. They're going to have the day off on Tuesday and then they'll practice again on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, as far as the standings are concerned, as I record this podcast late into the night on Monday, um, the rest of the East is done. So the Hawks are two and a half games behind Miami now for the seventh seed. They are now five and a half games behind Brooklyn and New York for the sixth seed. So the sixth seed has always been unlikely the last few weeks, but it's looking even more unlikely now than it was before. And, uh, you know, fortunately, Washington's lost three in a row. Um, but Chicago's won two in a row. They're kind of, kind of getting back into it. Toronto's lost three in a row as well. So it could be it could be worse. Loss could be, with a recent play, they could easily be 9-10 in the East. But they're still eighth with a game and a half on Toronto. So we'll see. We'll talk about all that later on in the week. But, uh, you know, the loss, they're kind of in their own mini tier now as the eighth, as the eighth seed in the East at this point in time, which isn't going to satisfy anybody. But, you know, I got a question tonight, and we'll probably talk about it more in the future, about, like, you know, can Quinn fix this? And it's like, well, yes, he certainly can. I think Quinn Snyder is still the same guy they hired. He's really, really good. But he also, and I said this at the time of the hire, like he's not going to be able to do it on his own. 
Um, no one is no one is going to be changing the world. I think you know, generally speaking, people could probably had a little bit too high expectations for what Snyder was going to be able to do right away to overhaul things in the blink of an eye. And a lot of the signs have been positive. Like they're doing better things. I think he's he's good at explaining things as well. I think he's been good with the media and the way he's talked about things and the way he's implementing things. But he'll even say he's kind of he's kind of alluded to it. Like you know, you can't just change everything overnight. And they're trying to build habits and uh, trying to look long term while also trying to win in the short term. It's a, it's a difficult balancing act, but. In the, in the moment, he can't fix it all. Um, I think they'll have some roster changes for sure in the future. Um, no matter what happens this season, the rest of the way, they're going to have somebody going to go out the door. I think I'll say that now with pretty much confidence. I think I'd be shocked if the Hawks just ran it back next year. But, you know, we'll, we'll get back to that more in the future. But uh, it was uh, one of those frustrating nights when a lot of, like, existential questions are being asked. And I totally get it because the Hawks were that bad in the first half of this game. And it was uh, pretty frustrating as a result. So from here, the Hawks will play on Friday again. It's the Warriors coming to town. Um, Golden State, um, in short, has been a terrible road team this year. This is not a joke. At this moment in time, the Warriors are 7-26 and 26 in road games. They have a worse road record than the Jazz and the Thunder and the Blazers and the Hornets and the Magic and Indiana and the Bulls, etc. So... Uh, that's one weird thing there. They're obviously still very talented, but uh, that's a game that we'll talk about more later on in the week. My plan in between games, I will have at least one podcast. It might be more than that, but I'm also going to be very busy with the NCAA tournament ramping up. So keep an eye out for that and also be patient. I will do as much as I possibly can on the podcast feed, but I do have responsibilities covering the NCAA tournament. So keep that in mind when you're yelling at me for not having enough content in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, I can assure you I will have at least one show between now and the game on Friday. So please subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, etc. Please leave five-star ratings and reviews, nice comments on YouTube and places that, where you can do that. Likes, um, auto-downloads are fantastic as well. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BTRoland. Follow my Patreon work on the written side at patreon.com slash BTRoland. I do appreciate everybody listening to the podcast, especially if you made it this far. I, really, I know that people don't always like to listen after losses, but this is one of those ones that's just kind of a... Frustrating one to watch, consume, cover, discuss, all that, all the way around. So hopefully we did a decent job of covering the uh, sort of the big picture on this podcast. Again, thank you one more time for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you later on this week.